What's up, founders, and welcome back to the In Demand podcast, where we talk all about how to reach your very first 1 million in ARR. I'm your host, Asia Arangio, and I'm the founder of Demand Maven, where we work with early stage SaaS companies on reaching their very first growth milestones. Let's do this. So I'm having a sales call, which I think you'll find that a lot of my ideas for episodes these days are coming from having discovery calls because I have, like, this is when I talk to founders and I have some of the most interesting conversations. Not only do I learn, but also there's so many teaching moments that happen in these calls. And I was talking to a founder and they were, they were really struggling with like, okay, we, we want to hire you guys, but like, we're not really sure when. And I mean, you know, the short answer is there's, there's certainly plenty of opportunities to hire us and to work with us. We solve several problems. We like, there's several things that we address And now that we have many different types of services, there's also different ways that we can work with companies as well. And um, but in this particular scenario, this particular SaaS company, they had not quite gone through the process of getting users, not even customers, just like users to actually try the product. The, The tough part was they knew that they needed strategic help, but they were operating on assumptions that they couldn't ultimately prove or or even like we're operating on hypotheses and assumptions. And those are always like really sticky situations because they, they don't have paying customers at all yet. Like there's not a single paying customer. No one has even used it yet, but they know that they need help. But the but the hard part is that we we just haven't gotten anyone to use it. So so everything that we're thinking about and like hypothesizing around truly is a hypothesis. Nothing's actually been battle tested. And so I was trying to explain to them that, okay, you guys are in the phase of the black hole. You're in the SaaS black hole. And I know that that sounds probably like really weird and crazy. And I promise I'm going to break down what the SaaS black hole is. But the SaaS black hole, it's the phase of your SaaS founder journey. And maybe you've got co-founders, maybe you've got a small team, like whatever your situation is. But the SaaS black hole is actually, it's not a negative thing. Every company on the planet goes through the SaaS black hole. Everyone enters it a little bit differently and everyone ex- exits it differently. No company has the same experience inside of the black hole. But one thing I can say about the black hole is that we can't really predict what's going to happen in there. No amount of research, preparation, or really anything will ever be able to tell us exactly what the SaaS black hole is going to do. But the thing is, is at least when it comes to working with consultants um, or sometimes even agencies, it's probably not best to hire anyone while you're in the black hole. However, when you come out of the black hole, which is when you get paying customers, so you go from zero to one. When you go from zero to one paying customer, that's when it makes sense to start hiring um, agencies, consultancies, whoever it is that you want to help uh, like uh, get from like a growth perspective. Does that mean that you're not hiring at all? No. You could certainly hire freelancers, people who can like really quickly iterate, execute, things like that. But again, when you're going from zero to one, that space between zero to one is the black hole. <laughs> and all right, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down a little bit further. So the black hole is just this thing that I've just started kind of talking about. It evolved over years of talking to founders and also working with founders who actually were in the black hole, who we might not have possible that we probably shouldn't have worked with them while they were in the black hole. But it's really tough to know that you're in the black hole until you're in it. <laughs> and now that I know about it, now I can actually, you know, tell founders about it and be like, okay, 
Uh, you know, you're in the black hole right now, which means that, like the things that you do while you're in the black hole are not scalable. They're probably not sustainable at all. And on top of that, like it's it's honestly it's pure chaos and um, it's impossible to predict like what happens. But until you actually get a paying customer, any number of things can happen. So typically what the what the journey looks like and I've, I've talked a little bit about this before on other podcasts and also on stage, but typically the journey is. Okay, like there's a problem that you conceive of. There's there's a problem that you think exists big enough that other people might pay for software for. And so then you probably go and build an MVP. Hopefully, you do some customer discovery in there. <laughs> Hopefully, um you, you know, you you conceive of this problem, you think of your hypothesis, and then you go and do like tons of research. You go talk to, you know, dozens of people. And then you like refine the problem space before you jump to solutions. And hopefully that was done well. Uh, Not always, but, you know, hopefully like that was done very well and as with as little bias as you possibly can muster. But for the most part, you've decided, okay, like we have enough research, we understand this well enough, we can go and create the MVP. Then you create the MVP. Now, when you create the MVP, there's a couple of things that can happen. Um, Creating the MVP is really, uh, you know, it's the process of creating your working product of of this very first iteration, the prototype, the thing that you're probably going to go back to everyone that you talk to and show them and get their feedback on, and hopefully even get a few people to try it. There are some companies that come to this with pre-built audiences, meaning not only did they do customer discovery, but they also built audiences in the meantime. Maybe they started creating content about the industry or the topic. Maybe they are already like low-key kind of famous in some industry and they already had lists and they just needed to introduce this solution to their lists. And that's all they had to do to go and get people to try it. But then after, after the process of the painstaking process of getting your very first users, again, these are not customers, they're not paying yet. Um, but once you actually get people to try it, usually there is a process of, okay, now that we've gotten people to try it, now let's try charging for it. And this is going to totally depend on your go-to-market strategy, for example, if you have freemium versus, um, you know, like your free trial of self-serve versus um, sales-led only where people can only get access to it by through a demo, e- your mileage may vary, of course, like within each of these different um, you know, models and ways to engage with a product. So I just want to, you know, throw that out there as like a caveat. However, when it comes to getting your very first paying customer, the process and the the cycles that happen between people are now trying it to people are now paying for it, it is a huge paradigm shift. It is like probably one of the biggest, craziest chasms to cross. Some companies blip right over this in hours because they they, you know, say, hey, like we're live and you can buy it now and to their massive lists, and then people just like buy it and like, you know, done. Um, but there are some companies that don't have this experience because they don't necessarily have, you know, a huge audience waiting in the in the ranks to get promoted or marketed to. And I would say if that is you, that is the majority for sure. Not everyone is coming to this journey with like, you know, <laughs> big ass lists like in some marketing automation platform somewhere. Uh, I would actually say it's it's far more common to not, it seems these days. And that's okay. No shame there, right? Um, everyone comes to this so differently. And are there patterns? For sure. But what's interesting, though, is going from user testing to 
paying customer, that gap is the black hole. And the black hole is not a dangerous place to be. It can be frenetic and chaotic and uncertain. Um, It can certainly be daunting and scary, but it's not a dangerous or a bad place. Uh, It's simply a space where you don't really know what's going to happen going in and you don't know what it's going to look like on the other end. There's truly, it's truly a mystery. And I can guarantee that there is no amount of uh, research or, um, I don't know, wand waving or like crystal ball gazing that is going to predict exactly what's going to happen while you're in there. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, So usually whenever SaaS companies are in the black hole, a couple of, well, several things can happen. The first is, and this is the rare one, but the rare thing is that you totally nailed it. It's perfect. And people will become customers instantly and they'll stay and they're and they're loving it. That scenario is extremely rare. And it's just because you never really know exactly how reality is going to hit. You never really know how humans are going to react to your thing. Uh, and you just don't actually know until you get it in their hands and you put a price tag in front of them. Pretty much anything will play with Play-Doh. Um, but once you start charging $100 for the Play-Doh, some people are going to put it down, unless it's just the most amazing Play-Doh they have ever seen. So if you put a product in front of someone for free to use your test, most people will kick around for sure. Maybe because they like you. Maybe because you're friends. There's a number of reasons why they could do it. Maybe they're getting paid to do it. But the second that they have to pay, a value exchange happens. Am I getting value out of this? Do I even have a problem that needs to be solved? And how does this actually solve it better than what it is that I'm currently using or doing instead? And then again, if you did amazing customer discovery work, then you will hopefully be able to address several, if not more of these needs. But again, it's an MVP, which means it's probably not going to necessarily totally blow the socks off um, the first try. So I'm to say it's extremely rare to you know, get into this bucket of Yep, nailed it. It's perfect. Everyone loves it. They're paying immediately and like not churning. And it's like amazing. Super rare. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen it, if I'm being honest. Um, Although I've heard stories, but to be fair, I, I, you know, I kind of look at like, I just look at them from afar of like, I don't know (laughs) Um, if that's reality. But from what I've seen, extremely rare to be in this camp. The second camp is, um, okay, people are trying it, but they're kind of kicking around and not really becoming customers. Maybe a few people convert, but it's not this like overwhelming, like, oh my God, instant customers overnight. Wow. Can't believe we nailed it and killed it. We're so cool. Probably not that. Um, It's probably a little bit more of like, I don't really know what I'm doing in here and not really sure if this is actually providing me value or if I even like need this in the first place. Um, nah, So I guess I'm just going to like stop using it. I would say most companies are in this camp. And this is kind of where several things can happen. You might decide, oh, crap, we've got to build more product. Sometimes you might decide, oh, crap, we have the wrong people in the product. We've been targeting the wrong people. We've got to go find another audience. And then sometimes it might actually be a combination of both. And then sometimes you might find um, that there's something about maybe not the product, but about go-to market that needs to be adjusted. 
maybe the wrong model, wrong pricing. There's a number of things this could be. But I would say most people are in this camp of people's people, you know, come in uh, and there's a lot of tire kicking and like not a whole lot of converting. And then finally, there's the last camp. And I would say this is also somewhat rare, but um, but this actually might be more of like my own bias of just like my own exposure bias, I should say, of like how much I've been exposed to. But the last camp is uh, so, you know, you get a bunch of people to test it and now like people can actually sign up and go live and, um, you know, your live go to market, all the things. But uh, people are like not only like they just don't even show up, like you're not even getting conversions even like no one's actually even trying it, um, which usually is an indicator of we totally built the wrong thing and also we're targeting the wrong people. I guess like it's not an either or it's probably a both. Um, with the second camp, it could be either the product or the market or both. Um, but in the third camp, it's definitely both. Like, it's like, okay, definitely not the right audience and also possibly not at all the right product, which means we have to go back to customer discovery, which means we're not ready to go to market yet. We've got to go back and really make sure we understand the problem and really make sure we understand the audience that we think has this problem. Otherwise, we're assuming that this product is for the right market. And that is by default, not a product market fit uh, scenario. So but like I said, it's so rare to kind of have this scenario happen. um, Because even in that scenario, you just learn so quickly (laughs) that it's not working and that you think you do have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, Most companies don't stay here, I guess is really what I'm saying. So most companies are in that second camp. It's a lot of tire kickers, people who are unsure, and they're like, I don't really understand, I don't really know. And maybe they're the people who user tested for you, but it's more likely that these are people coming, in, like they find you, like maybe ads that you ran, or they're finding you through social or search, or maybe you announced um, you had a big launch and you launched on Product Hunt and a bunch of people came to the product to try it out only to be like, well, I don't really know what's happening. So I would say most people are in this bucket. But when you're here, like I said, a number of things can happen. And this is the experience of the black hole because you might decide to totally pivot the product. You might also decide, oh crap, we got to go after this audience instead. And sometimes you might find that you had this whole go-to-market strategy for this one particular audience, but actually there is like a random audience that loves the like loves your product, but it just wasn't who you thought it would be. And also it's not at the volume that you thought it would be because, you know, you go to market wise, like you weren't focused on them. Um, The best way, like the best example I can give would be, let's say you decided to launch a operations product. Um, Let's say it's like process management or like ops management. Um, And let's say you started focusing on makers, like people who make things for a living and they want to sell their products like on Etsy or whatever it is. And then, so let's say that like, okay, like your whole go-to-market strategy was like, okay, I'm going to focus on Etsy sellers and makers and like the Etsy community is going to be my vibe and that's who I'm going to build for and my product is going to be for them. Well, then let's also say that, okay, like you launched and you did the thing and you attracted Etsy sellers and makers, but they got to the product and they were like, I don't know. I'm not really sure what's happening. I don't think this is like, this isn't valuable to me, but I'm sure it's valuable to someone. So Etsy sellers and makers don't end up becoming customers, which is kind of like a, hmm, it should definitely raise the question of like, did I do discovery well enough? (laughs) But let's say something else actually happens that maybe Etsy sellers and makers were not the move, but 
coffee makers, for whatever reason, coffee makers love the tool. And they're like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And it just so happens that there's a bunch of coffee makers now signing up and loving it and becoming customers. You might decide to totally pivot. Uh, and you might actually have pivoted several times within that process. Because of course, it doesn't happen overnight. This could have happened in a couple of weeks. This could have happened over a year even. Um, some companies can literally spend, I, I've seen it as high and as long as like two to three years in the black hole. And sometimes there's not a whole lot that you can do except to continue to test, to iterate, to learn, and to start identifying what ultimately customers want, what types of customers, and then what do you need to go and build, whether that's marketing or product or you know whatever it is, experience, whatever needs to go and get set. That is the process of really being in the black hole. Um, but it's again, it's going from that zero to one. And some would actually argue that it's, or it's possible, like I could say maybe from zero to 10. Um, but the black hole is like, it's a, it's a really tough spot to be in because again, you can't predict how long you're going to be in it. You can't predict what's going to happen while, while you're in it. And on top of that, um, it's also really hard to build a team while you're in this because building a team kind of requires you really knowing, okay, like we're going in this direction. We're targeting these people. This is the model that we're going to have. This is what we're going to ultimately charge. And all of those things you can certainly plan for. And I would never say don't plan for this. Um, like do the research, make sure that you have as much certainty as you can possibly muster, which if I had to give it a number, I would try to get to 60 to 70% sure because you're never going to be a hundred percent sure. And 80 to 90 would take probably just too damn long. So 60 to 70% sure is what you probably want to aspire for. But all, even that does not guarantee that it's going to be a slam dunk. So um, so all we really can do is get to that moment of, okay, we are going into the black hole, but we're going to go calmly and just as prepared as we possibly can, but then also open to changing our minds to pivoting and at the same exact time, um, we might pivot the product. We might pivot the audience. We also might continue to build. Maybe it's actually not a pivot scenario, um, but maybe it's actually just, oh, we need to achieve either feature parity in some area, or we got to go back and build a bigger MVP. So our MVP is not enough, um, and we need an MVP 2.0. That can also happen. But it's impossible to know that, of course, until you enter the black hole and just get comfy and cozy there because, um, well, I mean, not too cozy, but we get comfortable with the idea of not knowing and and not really being able to predict. And also we go in there open to wherever the journey takes us. And what's interesting is like, I've, I mean, I've worked with, I don't know, dozens, hundreds of founders by this point. Over the last five years of me running Demand Maven and then two years before that working at VC-funded SaaS companies and startups. And what I, what I think is really interesting is um, there are some founders who like dig their heels in the black hole and they're like, I am comfortable with not knowing and like I am going to be cool with this even though it terrifies me. Uh, and that takes a lot of courage and patience and you just like it just it just does. But there are some founders who avoid the black hole like the plague because they there's something about it that is scary to them, uncomfortable, whatever it is. But because they avoid it, they end up spending more time there. And 
prolonging their journey in the black hole, where instead, I, they really just need to kind of dig their heels in and um, you know take the time to really understand in addition to act quickly. And I guarantee if you kind of take that mindset, you'll get out of the black hole way faster than you anticipated, but then also you'll come out of it pretty well grounded in what needs to happen next. So again, that black hole scenario, it's it's going from I'm I'm inviting beta testers and users to test this to now I am charging and people off the street can go sign up for my product if they want to. But we're going from that transition of these are users to now they are customers and like we are attracting customers now. And again, that can be as big and splashy, like launching, for example, as you want, or it can be as quiet as you want. It can be as low key. Um, there, I, I would say most bootstrap founders don't plan big launches. They literally just say, okay, I guess we're going to switch everything over to Stripe now and like turn it all on and just see what happens. And the website's live and people can sign up now um, and become a customer and crossing their fingers and nothing breaks, you know? <laughs> um, but that's, you know, whatever your go-to-market strategy entails, there that that scenario of, okay, we're going from zero to paying customer to 10 paying customers, that's the black hole. And it's not a bad place. Again, I just want to reiterate, like, it's not a bad place to be in. Every company has to go through it. Airbnb went through it. Superhuman went through it. Notion went through it. Zoom went through it. Loom went through it. Everyone went through it. Slack. Um, all of your favorite SaaS companies out there, all the ones that you respect, they've all been through the black hole. The biggest difference is that they made it through and they learned a lot. Um, I would actually say Superhuman is an example of a company that was, in my opinion, in the black hole for a long time. Uh, for a very long time and probably still, like you can't just go and sign up for Superhuman. You have to like get invited and then you have to be approved. And then someone has to like, personally onboard you, which, and, and then, you know, you, you can decide, of course, to become a paying customer or not, like after your trial. And so it's still just like a, it's interesting because um, I, if I recall correctly from their journey, they actually spent two to three solid years just building the product and making it the absolute best and taking beta testers and beta users over time and learning a lot from them until finally they decided, okay, I think we're ready and they launched, so to speak, by doing a series of talks by, you know, press, things like that. Um, and even still, I think you still technically have to go through like their onboarding process. Um, but it's just so fascinating because like they they technically were in the black hole for about like two to three years. Like they were just solidly building. That's all they did was build, getting to the MVP uh, and then finally getting users like to actually test. And it took them a while um, and they learned a lot. And I feel like they pivoted a couple of times and then feel it seems like, I don't actually know, but it seems like they kind of figured out like a really good little space for themselves. All that to say though, so the black hole, it's not a bad place to be. You're not going to know exactly how long it's going to happen. And you also don't know who you're going to be on the other end of it. <laughs> I think that that's like the, it's definitely the um, most, in my opinion, it's one of the most intense spaces to be in. It's really easy to get impatient when you're there because you just want to be out and on the other end. Uh, but I promise you, if you take your time here and if you learn, soak it all in, but then also try to stay as objective as possible throughout the process, you will come out of it, I think, just on way better grounding and footing um, than I would say the average. But even after that, so earlier I mentioned, okay, you know, it's really hard to work with companies whenever they're in the black hole. And the reason why is because, I kid you not, and I'm only speaking from experience here um, of working with companies in the black hole. 
But I kid you not, you will wake up one day and just be like, you know what? We're going to target enterprise. And now we got to pivot everything to enterprise. <laughs> I'm saying that as an example. You might not actually ever think about enterprise. But you, like, there's, like, as a founder and as a CEO, you, and also probably as a product person, um, you will have these epiphanies about where your product needs to go, especially as you go through and, you know, come out of the black hole. And building a team around that chaos is really tough to do. And it, it does not surprise me or shock me at all that most founders prefer to go through this process by their own, or by themselves with a few trusted people and that's it. Um, so we're talking like super micro team here. Like maybe it's you, your co-founder, whoever, and then like maybe one, two, three developers and that's it. And that makes sense to go through the process in that way because you will change your mind probably on the daily until you get something that does ultimately stick. Um, and then at the same exact time, again, you uh, this might this might be a couple like this might be a few weeks, this might be years that this process happens. Um, but throughout that time, it just doesn't make sense to bring on a whole marketing team because they've got to scrap everything and start afresh. All because uh, you know, like there's there's no product market fit yet. There's no real clear process for, um, or like there's no real clarity on who to target and, and who's ultimately going to get value because it changes every day. And it could also be that the product changes a lot as well. And the product actually needs to completely get overhauled into something else, which means it's now a totally different product and needs a different go-to-market strategy. And if you were to bring on a marketer, they would probably have a really hard time unless of course they were like a head of marketing or a head of growth, and it was actually their role to help you get product market fit, which is very different. Um, but if that is not their job to help you do, then they are going to feel whiplash pretty much at every single decision or change that happens. Um, so if you're thinking about hiring someone in this phase, just make sure that it's really, really, really painfully clear that uh, that they should expect, like it is part of their role or their responsibility to help achieve product market fit in some kind of way. And also to be, to be prepared for big changes. Um, but otherwise, it doesn't make sense to bring on a, hire, on, a, on a marketing person. Now, from a growth perspective, so we consider ourselves to be a growth consultancy. Um, and from a growth like consulting perspective, it really only makes sense to bring us on before the black hole. So during the customer discovery and like planning and preparation phase. Um, we've certainly been hired to help companies actually figure out what product to build. And then there's post black hole. So, okay, you've got your 10 customers or so. Okay, great. Now let's really talk about how we get to a hundred and then a thousand and then 10,000. Um, and that's, those are the different milestones, of course, that we help companies focus on. But in the black hole, so tough because again, you might change your mind at every turn. Uh, and from a consulting perspective, definitely not only would it be hard to keep up with, but also, um, might be actually like a waste of investment because before you actually have a solid understanding and foundation, um, it, it's just constantly changing. And of course, you know, that's just hard to build on top of like when the foundation is constantly changing and moving. So anyway, that's the black hole. I hope that that makes sense. Um, if you are in the black hole, I promise it's not going to last for much longer. I know it probably seems like it might, uh, but just remember to, to get really, you know, get comfy, cozy here, not too cozy. You don't want to be here forever, but like 
it's okay to be here and it's natural and it's part of everyone's journey. And some founders really like this part and some founders really dread this part because they want the predictability of knowing exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And I totally understand that because I'm very similar. Um, But at the same exact time, you do just kind of have to go with the flow because it's, you know, it, there's just, it's more likely that you won't be in that first camp of like, nailed it, it's perfect. I'm getting instant customers and everyone just gets it and no one's churning. <laughs> like, it's just so rare. So anyway, chances are you're probably in that second camp again. And we just have to, we have to use some incredible discernment. We have to have some really good strategic thinking skills here. We also have to be really good at knowing, of course, like when to adjust, which is always really tough because we don't have all the data, um, but also knowing like what levers to pull. Like, do we need to adjust product or do we need to adjust the market or both? Like what needs to ultimately happen or do we need a bigger MVP? That's another option. So I'm about to say, if you are not in the black hole, congratulations, you did it. <laughs> um, if you are about to enter into the black hole, then hopefully this episode really helps you think about what you can expect while you're here. But just remember that if you did your homework, if you did really solid customer discovery, if you you did your absolute best not to create biased research and to really understand the problem space before you go and build solutions, you're probably going to be okay. Um, If you did not, then we should definitely chat because we absolutely do customer discovery and we are actually pretty good at ensuring that you don't get any bias in there and, you know, accidentally build the wrong thing and or, you know, spend 500K, obviously, like building the wrong thing. <laughs> OK, cool. Thanks again. And I hope this was helpful. In the meantime, I'll catch you next time. Bye, all. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. To learn more about how to reach your growth goals for your SaaS business, head on over to demandmaven.io. You'll find all kinds of free resources, articles, and content. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll see you on the next one.